0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net with your host Chris
2: G. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the February seventh, 2015 edition of the Habs 360 podcast. I'm Chris G. You can find me on Twitter at chrisg1980, and we'll be with you here for the next 60 minutes to bring you all the news, all the latest on the Montreal Canadians and while when we say it, we're not lying, that Habs360 is the most interactive and informative podcast that you'll find anywhere. You won't be able to find one that's as informative and as interactive as Habs360 is here, and we are featured on allhabs.net. Canadians played three games since our last episode, it started off with Super Bowl weekend. Seven days ago, on Saturday, Canadians won nothing winners against the Washington Capitals. That was the game that went into overtime, and the overtime winner was scored by Max Pacioretty, his 23rd goal of the season. So that was pretty similar to the game that Canadians had played prior to that against the New York Rangers, where it finished one nothing again, and Max Pacioretty scored the game-winning goal in overtime as well. On Super Bowl Sunday, Canadians, they were facing the Arizona Coyotes. And while that game, it wasn't as exciting, it didn't go down to the wire as the Super Bowl did itself. Canadians lost 3-2 to the Coyotes at the Bell Center. And then on Tuesday night, still here in Montreal, Canadians against the uh, Buffalo Sabres. You'd think the Canadians would win that game, but unfortunately they didn't. The Buffalo Sabres beat the Canadians 3-2, to and just look at the stats. The Sabres snapped a 14-game losing streak by beating the Canadians, and it was the first regulation win since December 11th. That represents 21 games. So, it wasn't a game that the Montreal Canadiens should have lost, and unfortunately They lost both those games. If we look at the standings, Montreal Canadiens have played 50 games. They have a record of 32, 15, and 3 for a total of 67 points. Puts them in third place right now in the Atlantic Division. They have one game in hand over the second-place team who are the Red Wings who have 69 points. And at first place are the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have 71 points, but the Canadians do have three games in hand over the Lightning. So if the Canadians win those three games, it will give them 73 points. It puts them on top of Tampa Bay. In the wild card race, while well, the Rangers have 64 points, they are three points away from the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll see with the recent injury of uh, their their goaltender Henrik Lundqvist, how that will affect them. But right now, the Rangers do have one game in hand over the Montreal Canadiens. So the Canadiens need to be careful and start looking behind them. And at the second wild-card spot is the Montreal Canadiens' opponent tomorrow night, the Boston Bruins. They have 61 points in the 51 games. In the Eastern Conference, Canadians are fourth. The Lightning, the Red Wings, and the Penguins are ahead of the Montreal Canadiens, and the Canadiens do have games in hand against all those teams. And trailing behind them are the New York Islanders. They also have 67 points, but the Canadiens do have one game in hand over them. And in, in the entire league, Canadians are seventh place right now with 67 points. And as I've been saying, the Canadians do have games in hand over every single team. The six teams that are ahead of them in the NHL. If you go to sportsclubstats.com, Canadians have a 99.1% chance of making the playoffs. So we could pretty much say that it should be a safe bet for the Montreal Canadiens to see some postseason action this week. Uh, this season, I should say. Excuse me. Our question of the day that we'll be tackling: Can the Montreal Canadiens solve their scoring issues without getting without getting any help from the outside? If yes, how? If not, feel free to throw out some names or the type of players you think the Montreal Canadiens should acquire as trade deadline is about three weeks away. You can let us know via Twitter at @tab360, and you can also. If you're listening to us not, to via computer on your desktop, you can go to our blogtalkradio.com chat room and leave your logins. Uh, leave your login over there using a Twitter account, and you'll be able to uh, chat with us. And we'll be reading your comments uh, throughout today's episode. And our four lines will be open for the second half of today's episode. One eight seven seven. 455 49 45 is the way to reach us. Coming up in about 15 minutes' time, we will be joined by NHL play by play man for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, Dave Randorf, who will be calling tonight's game between the Montreal Canadiens and the New Jersey Devils, which is a game that we're going to be Looking ahead to, throughout today's episode, some news and notes uh, from that game. Manny Maholtra, Michael Bourneval, and Mike Weaver are expected to be out of the lineup. This was based on this morning's practice in Brossard. Pierre Parenteau skated on his own. He will not be in the lineup uh, tonight as well. We still don't have a time frame on when we should expect him. Brandon Prest. He missed practice yesterday with the flu, but he was back in there this morning and is expected to um, to play. And the starting goaltender for tonight's game for the Montreal Canadiens is uh, Carey Price. And according to reports out of New Jersey, the Devils' starting goaltender should be Keith Kincaid. Who's that? No idea. I've never heard of him. But the New Jersey Devils didn't practice today, so we don't know that for a fact. We all know the name of the goaltender later this uh, this afternoon. But those were based on reports from yesterday out of New Jersey. New Jersey playing their second game in two nights. Joining me this week, my co-host, is a Twitter handle at Peter Galanos. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Chris. Thanks. So let's get it started. Peter, uh, I spoke about it at the top of the episode the uh, Canadians lose against the Buffalo Sabres. They lose against the Arizona Coyotes. It's uh, it's two games I think the Canadians should win, but they they blew it.
3: Well, definitely. I mean, when you have two of the worst teams in the, the NHL, uh, especially playing them at home, uh, those are points that should easily uh, go to On your side, especially when you're one of the top teams in the league, and uh, often some teams get uh, you know, these are like trap games, like they like to say. You know, you take you don't take the other team as serious, and uh, you take them too lightly, and uh, that's what ends up happening uh, sometimes. And uh, the Canadians just fell into that trap.
2: And these were four easy points for the Montreal Canadiens. And the Canadians are going through a stretch where they're not playing uh, difficult teams. Even tonight, the New Jersey Devils, if you look in the standings, it's a team that the Montreal Canadiens should be able to win. Was I expecting Canadians to be perfect and get all those points? No, because that never happens. The teams who are in the bottom of the league, none of them go 0 for 82 in a season. We all win games at a at a regular pace. But 0 out of 4, I don't think it is acceptable for the Montreal Canadiens. And if the Canadiens would have gotten those 4 points against the Arizona and against Buffalo Sabres, they would have had 71 points. That would have placed them, let's see, would have placed them first place in the Eastern Conference over the Tampa Bay Lightning because the Canadiens, like I said, have three games in hand. So they'll be first in the East with three games in hand over Tampa Bay. And the NHL it would place them fourth place behind the Ducks, Nashville, and the Blues. And the Canadians, once again, have games in hand over all those teams.
4: For me as a coach and us as a group, we had to make sure that uh, the opponent... Uh, Yes, we have to pay attention to the opponent. But as a group, we have to make sure we're on top of our game. And that's the way I see it. Whatever it is, Buffalo or Chicago, uh, we got to make sure we're solid and uh, we're getting better and better. That's the way I see it.
2: So, Peter, that was Coach Terry speaking about getting ready for their games. And that was before the game against the Buffalo Sabres where he said pretty much it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. But I just want to read you a couple of stats. The Canadians have a total of eighteen losses, the fifteen in regulation and three in overtime. Nine of those losses, so which is half of them, have been against the Edmonton Oilers, against the Calgary Flames, uh, three times against the Buffalo Sabres. Canadians have lost three times against them, the Minnesota Wilds, Dallas Stars, Arizona Coyotes, Ottawa Senators. So those uh, those teams are selected on purpose because they're not top teams in uh, in the NHL. And I'll throw in another stat for you, Peter. Against the worst teams in the NHL this season, the Canadiens have a record of three, four, and one. So that's a losing record. So who uh, who does the blame go to? What do you, like the actions don't match the words that the coach said? Is it? So what do you think goes in? Is it the players taking things too lightly, or is it uh, just the coaching staff that needs to do a better job preparing the team? No,
3: I think the coach, no matter what uh, the coaches, on the, whether it's game day or the day before, they always prepare the team uh, the way they have to. It's mostly, I think, the way the players respond to it. And, uh, you know, it's something that's... That's in their head, you know, when they know that it's not a team of uh, good caliber, you know, sometimes it's just, uh this is going to be an easy one, guys, tonight. You know, um, they talk amongst themselves, and that's when they fall in that trap.
2: And what about, how do you think, example, the Canadians tomorrow night they are facing the Boston Bruins. So the Canadians normally don't need uh, much uh, motivation to face those games. You're always ready for them. And especially after following a seven-game series like they had uh, last year between these two teams, Canadians always come out pumped up for those games. You think the pregame speech by the coach when it comes to a team against the Boston Bruins is exactly the same as he should approach it for a team against, I don't know, Arizona or Buffalo?
3: It's a little hard to say. I think that uh, if if you want to... If you want your team to be prepared the same every time for every game, uh, the the speech has to be the same. It can't always be, well, this team is a lot more important tonight than it was uh, the night before. You know, like uh, the preparation and uh, the speech has to always be the same no matter who the opponent is. If you want your team to be consistent as well, uh, instead of showing up only for
2: certain rivalry games and against uh, other elite teams. And I agree with you, I think the speech is probably even more important against teams like that, the uh, Buffalo Sabres and uh, the Coyotes. But when I, when I on Sunday morning when the Canadians announced their, their lineup for the game against the Coyotes, I was thinking to myself that, you know what, maybe even the coaching staff isn't taking this game lightly. Because in that game, okay, Dustin Tokarski was in goal, not to not take anything away from him. And uh, Sergei Gontard didn't play either. So I sort of thought to myself, well, like, oh, like maybe the coaching staff is taking Arizona for lightly. Maybe on Twitter, we actually called it Team B. So maybe that's probably a little bit of a, of an exaggeration. But I was saying to myself, like, you know what, maybe the coaching staff <laughs> didn't take uh, that game seriously as well. Maybe they were focused on the Super Bowl party that they had uh, that evening. I want to bring up here another point that was um, that was brought up earlier in the season and uh, as well this week in, uh, in the media. We we haven't discussed it here on uh, the podcast. On uh, January 15th, when the Canadians faced the Ottawa Senators, the game was broadcasted on the TSN 5 on the Ottawa Senators uh, region. And during the game, they showed a clip of uh, P.K. Subban during the warm-up, and... And it wasn't with P.K. Subban, but they, they, that's who they showed. And he wasn't taking the warm-up seriously. He was just crashing himself on the boards, laughing, et cetera, weren't to be focused on uh, the game. This week in the Montreal media, uh, former Montreal Canadiens coach, uh, I'm sorry, the game against the Senators, Canadians ended up losing 4-1. Uh, this week in the media, former Montreal Canadiens coach Jean Perron mentioned that he was at the Bell Centre on a Tuesday night before the game against the Buffalo Sabres, and he said that the players weren't focused during the warm-up. He was able to see uh, P.K. Subban uh, laughing. They they saw Dale Weiss, Carey Price, etc., taking pictures, taking selfies with fans during uh, the warm-up. So he was saying, like, what is this? And... One point that Jean Perron brought up was when he was a coach, either him or at least some members of the coaching staff were on the ice sorry, on the bench during the warm up. Uh, Jean Perron said at least on Tuesday night when he was there, there was no coaching staff on uh, on the bench. So do you think Pierre that maybe there were uh were overthinking this or do you think uh, it's the lack of focus coming in from uh, from the warm-up and maybe that's where the coaching staff could come in and uh, set the tone Uh,
3: that's a that's a tough question a bit I mean uh, so yeah I I guess it depends on each player some players just go out there just to uh, skate and uh, stretch and uh, that's it you know doesn't necessarily mean that they're not focused for the game I I believe and there, But I believe that there should always be a coach on the bench uh, monitoring the warm-up, that's for sure. Uh, and if there is, you know, uh, to say about P.K. Subban, I mean, he's one of the leaders of the team, so if he doesn't show the good example, it, you, do, you do ask yourself some questions, you know, for, on, on behalf of that, but... I believe every player has his way of preparing, and if that's his way and it works uh, most of the time, I mean, it's fine. Uh, it's fine by me.
2: So, I think that's where the coaching staff should be, like you said, like Peter, you mentioned, to be on the bench, and if they see messing around, focus the players. Tell them, no, it's guys, it's warm up. You have to get ready for the game. You have to simulate what the game looks like. You have to put in the the same intensity. There's no reason for them to be messing around uh, during the warm-ups. They should take it uh, seriously, like if they were in a game. And, to- and tonight, the Canadians facing the New Jersey Devils. Like I mentioned, it's not a team that is up there in the standings. So technically, on paper, Montreal Canadiens should be able to beat the New Jersey Devils. The Devils have been on the hot streak. They won three games in a row. They're 6-2-2 in their last 10 games. But based on the Canadiens' performance against the Arizona Coyotes and against the Buffalo Sabres, there's no excuse for the Montreal Canadiens to have a bad game again against the uh, the New Jersey Devils. So it'll be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And the game is tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, Live at uh, the Bell Center. We're going to take a break. Joining us on the other side will be NHL Play by Play man from Roger Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, Dave Randorf. Live, he's in town for the game between the Canadians and the New Jersey Devils. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on nohabs.net. Habs
4: 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM
0: mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its
4: team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com.
3: Framework Sports Marketing has been manufacturing high-quality sports memorabilia since 1992. By setting new standards in the industry, Frameworth is now the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, CFL, and Hockey Hall of Fame. Frameworth is also the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best players in the world, including Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Tace, John Tavares, Alec Galchenyuk, and much more. Unlike other companies, FrameWorth produces most of what they sell, and this allows them to guarantee the quality of every
2: piece. For more information on FrameWorth Sports Marketing, visit FrameWorth.com. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs360 podcast, search Habs360 on allhabs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you.
1: This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net.
2: All right, welcome back to Habs 360. I'm Chris G. at Chris G. 1980. We'll wait for you here for the next, uh, to the top of the hour. And we'll be talking uh, Montreal Canadiens as they face the New Jersey Devils, a game that will be tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Good news for HAPS fans, the game will be available coast to coast on CDTV. And joining us now on the line will be is the NHL play by play man for Sports and Hockey Night in Canada. He's in town for tonight's game between the Canadians and the Devils. Dave, thank you for joining us.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me again. I like coming on this show.
2: Oh, no problem. It's our pleasure. And Dave, before we start talking about Montreal Canadiens, i got to tell you, I'm a little bit uh, curious. Uh, I was on your Twitter page, and on your profile it says, no, I do not hate your team, nor do I like the other team better. It must be the Leafs fans that made you write that, right?
0: Yeah, you know what? I I don't know where they come from, uh, but... uh... (laughs) Generally, the uh, the angst comes from fans of teams who aren't doing very well. So if you look around the NHL or certainly around the Canadian teams that we cover, uh, Toronto would be right up there. But uh, I just wanted to make it clear to everybody that, uh, no, I I, uh, I do not hate your team and don't like the other team any better. I'm just doing my job, and if your team is not doing well, it's not my fault. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you don't put the jinx on it. <laughs> uh so last time you joined us, Dave, on our podcast, it was, in, uh, it was actually in February 2013, so it's, almost, uh, it's been a couple of years. Uh, at, that time, at that time, you were calling Canadians games on TSN Montreal, and since the beginning of this season, you've been calling NHL games coast-to-coast coast on Sportsnet. How has that transition been?
0: It's been uh, it's been great. You know, uh, it was a real privilege and honor to be, um, you know, given the opportunity to to move over from TSN. Uh, I was there at TSN for an awful long time, better part of 20 years, and and they were great to me. They uh, I, I was literally around the world thanks to TSN, and and uh, they were great to me. Also, when I decided to take this opportunity, uh, they were uh, they were great about it and said wish me all the best, and so. Um, personally, it's it's been a lot of fun because while I you know, the one thing I, I don't like is that I don't get to come here as as often as I did. There's nothing like coming into the Bell Center. Uh, so it's it's this is only I don't know how many games I've done here now, but probably maybe only four. So because they they kind of scatter us around um, to give us uh, you know exposure to all the different Canadian teams. So I wish I was here a little bit more often like I used to be, but at the same time it's it's uh, a lot of fun and and it's a, a bit more of a challenge to keep up on. Uh, all the Canadian teams and, and, and pretty much the entire NHL. You know, before it was, you know, I had to stay really plugged into Montreal and the Canadians, and then, you know, whoever they were playing that night, because oftentimes I'd only see St. Louis maybe once a season or or Phoenix or Arizona once a season. So you, your focus really was the Canadians, so now it's much more broad focus. And listen, I'm not complaining about the work. I'm just saying it's just changed, that's all.
2: So if we switch now and talk about some uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, the trade deadline is about uh, three weeks away. On on March, from here to March 2nd, what type of player do you think uh, Mark Bergevin should go uh, shopping for?
0: Well, you know, uh, one thing that he has proven that he is not is and that is shy to uh, to improve his team when he thinks. Uh, they are close and certainly they are very close i think everybody would agree to making a serious run at the stanley cup you know there's there's no no doubt about it um with the net mining that they have the experience of 17 playoff games that they gained last year this is this is a group where you you should be going for uh what would you add uh, clearly you need another top six forward i mean when dale wees is is back on your top line as he is tonight uh, no offense to dale that's that's you know he's not a top six forward uh, and I think he would even probably uh, admit to that. He's going to take this opportunity and do his job and and continue until P. A. Parento is is ready. Uh, but you know you, you need another top six forward in there. I, I'd like to see Galchenyuk back in the middle to continue that that development and and that de- that production that he was giving the Canadians too. And, and they've got him back over on the wing because just the way things are lining up right now. Uh, and you know you, you got to look at your top four as well on the back end. I don't know what your listeners uh, are, are thinking, but I really I liked Nathan Bolio before he was sent back down. You know, I've lost track of how many times they sent him up and down. But I think he is here to stay now. I think he has gained the confidence t- of Tyrion and uh, and Bergeron. So I, I kind of like Nathan Bolio. Is he ready for big time top four minutes uh, for a long playoff run? Maybe not. Uh, can he be down the road? Yeah, I, I do. I, I like his, his his edge, and he's he can make that first pass. He's not small, and he's not afraid, and all that good stuff. But I think it would just be nice to have an extra top four guy to uh, to make that long run that's going to require 20 plus games to to win it all. So those are really it. To, you know, top six forward, and because uh, they've got lots of depth and character players that I think uh, could be quite useful. So uh, you know, top six scoring winger, and, and maybe another top four defenseman. You don't need a top guy, but just a you know a depth solid defenseman. Uh, that they can, they can plunk in there. Because Gonchar, you know, he's he's north of 40. Mike Weaver's got a lot of miles on him as well. Uh, so you, you don't know what's going to happen there. You're one injury away from being a lot thinner on the blue line.
2: And when you're talking about like at the top six forward, uh, one of the players that we're going to see tonight from the New Jersey Devil's side is uh, Jaromir Jagger. And over the years, he's expressed interest in the coming to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, do you think Jager would be that a good top six forward for the Canadians?
0: Well, I think he would be motivated. That's for sure. I mean, he doesn't have very many opportunities uh, left to to get another Stanley Cup. The only thing that makes me kind of wonder is that remember when Boston brought him in uh, for for this exact situation, he didn't he didn't do anything offensively. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I know he did not put up a lot of points. Didn't score a goal. I know that. Uh, in the postseason and uh you know y- y- you look at the production that he's put up during the regular season it's that's all well and good but it's a different uh different beast and that's the only thing that makes me hesitate when you suggest that name but uh you know having watched this this hall of fame career in in its on on the, the second half of it i think you can't be anything but impressed with the commitment and the uh, uh the class that the armory has brought night in night out i mean the only He's missed a handful of games this season because of mumps. You know that's that's unavoidable. He stays healthy. He stays in tip-top shape. He's got passion. He's got uh, competitive fire to win and succeed. Would that be uh, you know a silly trade? No, it wouldn't. Uh, not at all. Uh, he's got tons of experience. It's just fitting in a guy that big. You know that takes up that much of your your presence. That's my only concern. You know he's he's a. He, he wants to be slotted into a certain role, and, and are they willing to put him on the top line? I don't know. Does he want? Because that's where he'd want to play. That's for sure. So um, that that is up to Mark Bergevin and, and Taryn to look at uh, the chemistry of their lines and whether or not he would actually be a fit for the postseason. Because you know sometimes you add too much and you can upset uh, uh, the chemistry that Montreal has exhibited the last several years.
2: And it, in a t- it was a twenty twelve twenty thirteen playoffs. And in twenty two games Jagger got zero goals, ten assists. So
0: those were the stats that were looking for. There you go. And yeah. So, you know, ten assists and, and ultimately they fell short and he didn't you know, and they needed his op- they needed him to score, you know. He's not a setup guy. They need him to score goals. Even a couple of game winners. And, and I remember uh, that was you know, that was a problem for him last year. He just couldn't couldn't uh get that big goal when Boston really needed it.
2: We might be a little biased over here in Montreal, but there's been a lot of talk about Carey Price being a front runner for the Hart Trophy. Um, in your mind, if the season ended, let's say right now, do you think Price would win the Hart Trophy?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's the old uh, debate is how do you define the MVP? Is it most valuable player in the league or most valuable player to his particular team? And, you know, how many times does Carey Price have to prove it over and over again that if you take him out of the equation here, especially right now, and they're not scoring a whole lot of goals in this particular uh, moment in time, uh, and yet they still get wins because of Carey Price. And, you know, in my mind, there's there's no doubt that would he be the Hart uh, Trophy winner? You know, just off the top of my head, I I, w- I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um, if you look at the other candidates, I know Rick Nash has had a heck of a year in New York, and that'll get a lot of attention because it's New York. Uh, Voracek is, is another leading scorer, but he's in a team that's not in the playoffs. Uh, you know, other top guys up there, the Sagans, but up there. Ovechkin's had a great year, too, for a resurgent um, Washington team, and he's kind of remodeled his game, so he will get some strong consideration as well. But if you just throw those names in, in the hat right now, for my money, uh, even though I'm not here as much as I used to, I still watch all the Montreal games. And, and Gary Price to me is the most valuable player to his team. And this team is in uh, position to finish top one, you know, in top three, two, maybe even top of the Eastern Conference. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it wouldn't be a stretch at all to name Gary Price as a Hart Trophy winner.
4: Until we're not going to change uh, as a league. Um, penalties, and it's not up to the referees because right now the, the the rule book is set two minutes. It's not normal that players go to the goal. It's not normal. It's, it's not only Price. We're not talking only about Price. Right? I'm talking about all the goalies in the National Hockey League. We have to find a way to protect them. We have to find a way.
2: So that was a Coach Terry yesterday uh, part to the game against, against the New Jersey Devils, following a couple of incidents in the past at least seven days where there was Patrick Aletta from the Sabres who ran into Carey Price and last weekend as well uh, in the game against the Washington Capitals. Dave, do you think that there's anything that the NHL can do to protect its uh, goalies?
0: Well, you know, you, I used to cover football an awful lot, and and on both sides of the border, there are strict and firm and and punitive rules in place to protect quarterbacks, and that's because you know they're they're the stars and 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 team and they're vitally important to a team's success. And while it's not really the same type of position uh, in uh, in hockey, it's still critically important when you're talking about number one goaltenders, whether it's whether it's Carey Price or even Corey Schneider of the Devils, who's probably not going to play tonight, but he plays every night as well. And, and no team wants to lose. It's Jonathan Quick. It's Ryan Miller. Uh, anybody, you go on down the list. Uh, these guys are vitally important. And, hey, listen, when Patrick Coletta is running into Carey Price, I totally agree with Michelle Therrien. That should not happen. Patrick Coletta, you know, the, the the opportunity is there and the scenario is there where Patrick Coletta could, could stay in that game and Carey Price could be knocked out for a week from Patrick Coletta please you know I, I really have a problem with guys like that who who run around and they 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 try to hurt the stars Patrick Coletta is so far from a star in this National Hockey League that you can't even measure it and his record speaks for itself and Michelle Terrien still has uh you know visions of you know the 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 playoff run coming to a, a crashing halt last year because of the collision with Chris Kreider and and Carey Price and You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody outside of uh, Manhattan or New York that wouldn't say that if Price stays in that series, they beat the New York Rangers and they go to the Stanley Cup final, and then who knows what happens there. But uh, I, I think a lot of people felt that Price was on, on such a roll coming out of the Olympics that uh, he was on top of his game, and 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 yeah, Terrence, uh and the Canadians' Stanley Cup final aspirations. I don't want to say he went up in smoke because Tukarski did a you know a heck of a job coming in there and 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 doing his best, but uh, there's no question it's deflated much rail. So until guys like Michelle Terry and experienced guys with 300 wins in the league start voicing opinions, there is no real kind of pressure for the league to uh, take note and do something. Uh, the football world did, and they started protecting quarterbacks. And uh, now, you know, teams pay for it with the other uh, kind of suspensions or fines to the players or, or heavy uh, yardage penalties during the course of the game. And uh, it's it's still starting to change that culture.
2: And uh, tonight at seven o'clock on the City TV, coast to coast, it's yourself with Gary and David Amber. Uh, what kind of game should we expect tonight between the Devils and the Canadians?
0: Well, you know, uh, I think uh, Montreal fans have seen two games kind of slip away here uh, at home against Arizona and Buffalo. Uh, and tonight you have another team that's uh, not in the playoff picture. Uh, they're a little closer to the, uh, to the the cutoff line than the other two teams uh, are. But this Devils team, they are playing a whole lot better. Uh, they don't score a lot. They don't take a lot of shots. But they, they've been getting good goaltending. They are playing tight defensive hockey, and they're winning. Uh, they're just coming off a, a homestand in which they went 4-0-1. Uh, this has been their best stretch of eight games uh, of the season, and they got a chance to win four in a row tonight for the first time all year too. So this is not a team to be taken lightly, uh, despite where they are in the standings, and uh, especially when you consider the lessons the Canadians have learned against Arizona and Buffalo that they've got to get back to scoring some goals first of all, and uh, and and these are the te- these are the teams, these are the points that you need to take. And you know when you look back at your your final standings, and maybe you're finishing third, and you get that that that, that matchup in the playoffs, or and you wish maybe you had a few more points to finish second and get an extra uh, you know bump in the playoff uh, first round. These are the points that make the difference. You're supposed to take these points, and, and and this stretch of games, you got Edmonton and Toronto in here next week as well. The Canadians are a better team, and they should be taking these points, but they can't if they're going to take them lightly. They need to get off to a good start, get that Bell Centre crowd behind them, and uh, and go from there and get back to the uh, the structure that Michelle Therrien likes to preach about.
2: All right, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate it, and we'll be watching tonight on City.
0: I'm sure you will, and thank you very much once again for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: No problem. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that was Dave Randorf from Sportsnet and Hockey Man in Canada. His Twitter handle is at Dave Randorf. Peter, Hap360 has a great contest going on right now. Why don't you tell us a bit more about it? Uh, That's right, Chris. The Habs360 Podcast is excited to provide one Habs fan
3: with an opportunity to win an 8x10 autographed picture of Alex Galchenyuk, and it's courtesy of Frameworth Sports Marketing. Frameworth is the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world, and one of the largest distributors of sports memorabilia in North America. Now, here's how to enter. Very simple. You just have to follow Habs360 on Twitter, Tweet a photo to Habs360 on Twitter of yourself wearing a Galchenyuk jersey or t-shirt and using the hashtag showyourhabs. Now, if you don't have a Galchenyuk shirt, you can tweet a photo of yourself holding a sign that reads, I listen to the Habs360 podcast on allhabs.net and use the hashtag showyourhabs. Deadline to enter the contest is on February the 20th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's all there is to it to enter the contest. And at the end of the contest, the winner will be randomly chosen from all the entries. Now, for more information on Framework Sports Marketing, visit their website, frameworth.com, and view your contest entry.
2: Visit showyourhabs.com. And we'll be announcing the winner of the contest in two weeks on February 21st here on the Habs 360 podcast. we take a break on the other side. We start tackling our question of the day. Can HABs solve scoring issues without getting help from the outside? If yes, how? You can let us know via Twitter, at HABs360, or you can give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. This is the HABs 360 podcast, featured on ohabs.net Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 Podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs Contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in a regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 Podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit R2Canvas.com. Good luck.
1: Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you
0: in no time. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year round resource for anything Habs related. That's allhabs.net.
1: This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net.
0: I think there's a concern the lack of offense. Uh, I think um we've been relatively lucky with uh, the amount of goals we've had per shots I think but at the at the same time we're a pretty opportunistic bunch. Uh, I think we got to find a way to uh get three goals in a game and, and it hasn't happened for a little bit and I think uh you know you've heard the coach say before that it gives you the best chance uh you know to win the game is three goals and and uh you know tonight we got to try and do that.
5: Well, we'd like to generate more shots. Uh you know, there's games where you're going to outscore your opponent. There's games where you're you're not going to. Or sorry, there's going to be games where you're going to outshoot your opponent. There's going to be games where you're not. So, you know, I don't think we can look at that. We just have to focus on our our system and making sure we're playing the system the right way. And usually, when we do that, we create scoring opportunities. So, um, but having the mentality of putting pucks to the net, uh, maybe there's a little bit more of an emphasis on that right now.
2: All right, welcome back. I'm Chris G at Chris 1980 along with uh, Peter at uh, Peter Galanos. So we heard from Max Pacioretty and P.K. Subban. That was prior to the game against the Buffalo Sabres. But the concern is still there for the Montreal Canadiens, who have scored six goals in their last uh, four games. And the question that we asked our listeners today, can Habs solve scoring issues without getting help from the outside? And if yes, how? So let's just take a look at some of the responses we received on Twitter. First one comes from Joe Mitchell, who writes, Shoot the puck. So that's great advice, Joe. Thank you very much for the tweet. Jay Matthews from Nova Scotia writes, Give Placanitz and Eller consistent wingers. Don't play Prust or wheeze in top two lines and give Seacatch some credit. So thanks, Jay, for that tweet as well, and I guess, Peter, the message that Jay is trying to to, uh, to convey is that if they keep uh, switching line mates, there will be no chemistry built.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Michel Terry hasn't been very patient with his line combinations all season, and I, I believe, too, that uh, this team seems to be one of the rare teams that always seems to be Keeps uh, switching up the lines, whether they win or lose. And, uh, I mean, a little patience, uh, I I believe, can do some good.
2: Tom from Pinter Creek, Alberta writes, Andrew Ghetto seems to be finding a groove. Bring him back. Maybe wait to see if De La Rose gets, uh, gets hot. So, thanks very much for the tweet, Tom. Tom writes as well, It would truly help make trade speculation more informed. Or if we still had CabGeek, has anyone found a decent alternative? Uh, The one that I would suggest, Tom, would be NHLnumbers.com. If there's anything else better out there, I don't know it, but that is the one that at least I've been using. Not as good as CabGeek, but still provides uh, great information. Jason Myers from Regina, Saskatchewan writes, Help via trade might be required. Patches and Galchenyuk need a bit of help, and the likes of De and Pacioretty have seemingly lost their touch. Thank you very much for the tweet, Jason, but De lately, he's been doing well, and we saw him, he even got promoted to the first line during the game against the Buffalo Sabres, and it looks like he will be in the top line tonight against the uh, New Jersey Devils. And in the game against the Buffalo Sabres, but I think he, he had a great game, so he definitely deserved to get recognized uh, for his play. Jason went on to uh, mention some names on the, uh, one player that he would like. He writes, the guilty Habs fan in me says a young gun like Eberle is a player you can go for, but the asking price may be too high. Thank you very much for the tweet, uh, Jason. And Peter, just maybe to expand a little bit more on this point that was brought up by Jason. Uh, Mark Brejervain, from what we've seen from him, to get something like Everlay, you would need to give up some assets, some roster players as well. And Brejervain, so far, at least during a trade deadline, doesn't seem to be a type of GM who would give up roster players at this time.
3: Oh, and he has already said it, that he will not... Uh... <clears throat> uh he will not put at risk the future of this team just to have a good playoff run uh, if if he could find a decent uh, trade partner uh he will he will make a trade but uh when somebody's asking for uh if somebody's doing making him uh, ridiculous offers he won't uh, he won't just uh, he doesn't want to risk the future of this team. He knows he's got a lot of good young prospects and he knows that the future of the uh, the way with the salary cap and now that the way to build a team is with your young players and your young prospects and you build around them and that's uh, the strategy that he's decided to go with and I agree that's exactly the way to go and uh, I wouldn't risk the future of this team uh, either for a rental player.
2: Uh, Pat Costa from uh, from Montreal, he's addressed a list of players that uh, Canadians should be willing to move right now at uh, the deadline, and he lists David Dernay, Lars Zeller, uh, oh, Craig patterns sorry, it was misspelled, but uh, good, thanks, Peter, for helping me out, Charles Ludon, Mike Weaver, Tom Gilbert, Alex Emlin, and Hiro Terry. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think you could trade coaches anymore. You're a lot in the old days, but uh, not any, not anymore. So those are quite the names, and maybe somebody like Udon could be one of those prospect players that could be thrown into a trade. Uh, in terms of Gilbert, I don't think he has much trade value. He would be like a throw-in. As just on his own, won't get too much. Emlin, I don't think he'll get you much either from the way that he's he's been playing. Uh, pattern, not much in the child experience. D'Arnaud and Eller. D'Arnaud and Eller might be able to get you something, but they won't get you a top six forward that the Canadians, at least I think, is the number one priority that they need right now for uh, for this season. So thank you very much, everybody, for your uh, tweets. You can keep them coming at Habs360 on Twitter. And you can also reach us via telephone at one 455 4945
3: I think just from that list, just to conclude, I think Lars Eller is probably the only guy who might have some value and uh, might have some interest uh, from opposing players, uh, from opposing teams, excuse me. He's still a young player. He's a former first round pick in the NHL. Uh, if you have Eller plus Draft pick or uh, some prospect uh, like the Canadians were able to uh, to use last year to uh, make the Vanek trade a prospect that they think will not be of use in the future uh, for this team. I think it could be a potential way that uh, Mark uh could pull off a trade.
2: And Peter, uh, tonight Canadians play the New Jersey Devils. A question that I asked uh, Dave Randolph as well for Jaromir Jager. He has some reserves against the Canadians going to acquire him. Uh, do you think uh, Jaromir Jagr would be a good fit with, for the Montreal Canadiens?
3: You know what, Chris, I had totally forgotten about that uh, playoff run that he had with uh, Boston where uh, he didn't even score one goal in that playoff year, and... Uh, before I saw that, I was in favor of the Habs maybe uh, attempting to go after him, but uh, now after I saw that, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I'm I'm starting to doubt that uh, maybe the Habs should uh, not go after him, and it's also a case of what are the Devils expecting as a return for Jagger as well?
2: Yeah, well. I would still go after him even uh, based on the, the the playoff performance at the attic with the Boston Bruins a couple of years ago. I think Jagger at least he would be like a like a threat to the opposing team. Like whoever they would face, he would still get the attention from a defenseman which would allow maybe other players like Pacharetti or Galchenyuk to get a little bit more ice time. And in terms of what it'd be willing to give up for him, it'd be something similar to Thomas Vanek. Maybe like a second round draft pick, and tell me that the Canadians think that you know what he'll never be an NHL player, or if he makes it, you know he'll be a third liner or a a, a fourth liner. I wouldn't I wouldn't give up more than that for uh, for Yager. Uh, looking ahead, still to tonight's game, if we look at the lineups of the Montreal Canadiens based on this morning's practice. First line is Patrelli Dernet and De Luis. Second line is Galchenyuk with Plekhanis and Brendan Gallagher. Third line is uh, Jacob De La Rose with Lars Zeller and Christian Thomas. And the fourth line would be Brandon Prust, Gabriel Dumont, and Yiri Sekach. The extras are expected to be Manny Mahotra, uh, Michael Bourneval, and Mike Weaver on defense. And if I look at these lines, uh. uh there's one thing that really bothers me and it's probably the obvious one that we mentioned is why is Dale Wies on the first line and why is Yerchi Seikach on, uh, on the fourth line I would actually flip them over put Wies with Jumon Prest and put Seikach with uh Patrye and then Seikach hasn't gotten that opportunity and I find it hard to believe because it's in the practice yesterday Yerchi Seikach was on a second power play unit so how can you have your fourth line player on uh, being one of your six forwards on uh, on the power play? And I know I mentioned that I wouldn't be criticizing Coach Turner's decisions as long as they're winning. I think the Kings have lost the last two games, so I think I reserve the right right now to criticize uh, to criticize that move. During the game, if you want to spark here and there, I'd be okay with uh, putting Dale Weese on the first line. But normally, I think that up that spot. Uh, should be kept for year C C catch. Uh, Peter, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on the line combinations?
3: I agree. I mean, uh, I've been a fan of year C catch, too. I believe that he should uh, be a top uh, a top six uh, winger on this team, on the top two lines, at least. And uh, the fact that uh, they just keep, Playing him on either the third line or the fourth line with an occasional power play opportunity here and there is a little surprising to me. Uh, I think he deserves that shot, but uh, right now, I mean, the coach just loves Dale Weiss on the top line, and uh, let's see how long it'll last. I thought that these past two uh, losses might uh, make him uh, change his mind on having Weiss uh they're on the top two lines, but I guess it hasn't. We'll see. Uh eventually let's hope that eventually we do see C catch on the top two lines.
2: And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a game against the Buffalo Sabres where at one point Canadians were down with under one minute and, uh, and it was Patre dernier, and Delvis wasn't even on the ice. So when you need a goal he's not on there. So it begs the question, why is he even on on the first line?
5: I didn't think that I embellished but at the same token I'm like I said I'm happy there's a gray area, right, when you're making those decisions so it can go either way but that was the decision that was made, so you just you live with it. Pay the fine and uh move down the road.
4: You know what, um we uh we encourage our player to play the right way and, and, and play the demanding game and Honestly, I don't agree with the calls. You know, it comes down to uh, uh, referees and we'll we'll make a judgment. And there was a few occasions I don't agree.
2: So those were the comments from P.K. Subban and Michel Terrier, As on Wednesday, P.K. Subban was fined $2,000 by the NHL for, for embellishing. Subban was issued a warning following an incident that was flagged by the NHL during a game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning on January 6th. His second warning, which triggered the $2,000 fine, was issued for an incident during the NHL game against the New York Rangers on January 29th, and Subban was assessed a penalty for embellishment. And at the time when that was announced last week, I mentioned I hadn't seen it, thanks to Sportsnet, but uh, I was able to see... The replay this week, it was courtesy of uh, the MSG broadcast. And I sort of understand where they could have thought that uh, P.K. Subban embellished on the hit he got from Chris Kreider. But between you and me, $2,000 for somebody who makes about $9 million is the equivalent. I did a calculation for somebody who makes $40,000. It's uh, $8.90. So no big deal for P.K. He'll, uh, he'll survive. All right, let's take a look at next week's games for the Montreal Canadiens. Tonight, we mentioned it several times, facing the New Jersey Devils. A game starts at 7 o'clock. A game could be seen coast-to-coast on the City TV in English and the TVA Sports in French. Canadians Canadiens back in action tomorrow against the Boston Bruins at 7.30. A game could be seen coast-to-coast in English on Sportsnet and for viewers in Belleville East in French on the RDS. And, Peter, just for for that game, Price is playing tonight. Do you expect Price to play again tomorrow against the Bruins? Uh,
3: that's a tough one. Uh, it's It's been uh, very rare that he's played back-to-back, and I think uh, we're going to see Tokarski tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I think the same thing, too. Based on what we had seen Peter Budai a couple of years ago, I think uh, we're going to see Tokarski tomorrow night in uh, Boston. On Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. start, Canadians we'll be receiving the visit of the Philadelphia Flyers. Game could be seen for viewers in Belleville East only on Sportsnet East and on RDS. And then on Thursday night, the Edmonton Oilers are in town at 7.30 p.m. start. A game that could be seen on English on Sportsnet East for viewers Belleville East. And in, Except if you're in the Edmonton region, then you can watch it on Sportsnet West. Don't ask me what the region is, I don't know. And in French, could be seen on RDS for viewers in Belleville East. I'd like to thank Dave Randorf who joined us early on the podcast. If you missed it, don't forget you can go to uh, allhabs.net or on iTunes, search Habs360 and look for today's episode. It'll be up there approximately 30 minutes at the conclusion of the broadcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Randorf. Peter G., thank you very much. Always a pleasure,
3: Chris. Thanks for
2: having me. You can follow Peter at Peter Galanos on Twitter. Coming up on next week's episode, we'll discuss his busy week, four games for the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll be one week closer to a trade deadline. And well, next Saturday, it is Valentine's Day. So we'll preview a Valentine's Day matchup between the Montreal Canadiens And the Toronto Maple Leafs. Will it be a Valentine's Day massacre? (laughs)
4: Yeah.
2: Well, so we'll touch upon that as well. So, hope you can join us. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 on Twitter. We'll be back, like I said, Valentine's Day at 2 p.m. Eastern for an edition of the HABS 360 podcast. Enjoy the week, everybody.
1: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at HABS360 and visit allhabs.net.